Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson alongside Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress here in Auburn as we are so excited to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on the voice of the Atlanta Falcons and the ACC Network's very own Wes Durham, who's kind enough to join us once again here on the radio show. Wes, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, we're nearing the start of summer officially on June 21st. How's uh, the summer season been for you so far? been pretty quick to be honest with you too quick at my age it needs to calm down a little bit because a couple weeks from now they'll be reporting for training camp and i'll be like where did july go so the more we can calm this down here the better off i'll be i think this fall but it's been good and i hope you guys are well too no doubt about it Wes. we've got some super regional baseball matchups coming up this weekend auburn heading out to corvallis to take on Oregon State. It's always a fun time of year as uh, eight teams are hoping they can advance to the College World Series. You've been around sports uh, many, many years in your career. What does this time of season for college baseball mean to you? Well, certainly if you've never been to Omaha, I think it's a, it's a bucket list item for any sports fan. Uh, I had the opportunity to go in the early 2000s when I was still at Georgia Tech and you know it was a terrific experience and I think it's something and that was the old Johnny Rosenblatt Stadium. That's not the new ballpark yeah. downtown near the market in Omaha, which is sensational. But uh, it, it's a great event. Uh, my partner in the morning, Mark Packer, calls it the best event in college sports. And I, I don't disagree with that. I think for the time it consumes and the people in Omaha do such a terrific job that, you know, you're excited to watch these regionals. And, and the way Auburn scores runs, everybody should be watching. But uh I think it'll be interesting to watch and see how many teams can advance to Omaha. And then once we get there, you know, does the game change? Because, you know, the eight teams that make it, uh, two of them are out of there pretty quick. But after that, it uh, it settles in to be a, a grind for the next seven or eight days, it feels like. So Auburn's getting ready to take on Oregon State. And, and Wes, we're curious, our conversation a lot of this week from so many Auburn fans and, and college baseball fans in and, and general are that for the Auburn Tigers, the Pacific Northwest is not somewhere that they get to travel to that frequently. I'm curious, has your broadcasting career taken you out that way? Uh, do you have any, any stories for folks out there? I went to Eugene one time uh, as part of an NIT trip with Georgia Tech. And we weren't there very long, and it was back when they were playing in the old Mack Court, uh, which is uh, was an older building that was built in the 1920s and 30s, I guess it was. The, the only thing I can tell you about Eugene, Oregon, is the University of Oregon's campus is where they filmed Animal House. <laughs> and the bus driver, uh, when we finished the shoot-around the morning of the game, the uh, the bus driver indicated to Bobby Cremins, he said, you know, they filmed Animal House here. You guys want to see some of the spots on campus that, you know, still exist. So he took us by the took us by the building, which was essentially the dining hall where they filmed the food fight scene. The uh, One of the fraternity houses, which I guess was the Delta House at the time, or maybe the one next door that Kevin Bacon was in. I can't remember. <laughs> but um, we also went to the spot near the track uh, where they filmed the uh, – the Niedermeyer scene with the horse and Eric right. Stratton and Boone were hitting golf balls and all that. We went to that part of campus, too, and that was pretty cool. Believe it or not, that turned out to be about the damn highlight because Georgia Tech lost the game to Oregon uh, later that night, and we got up too early in the morning and flew back to Atlanta. So 
but seeing those landmarks from Animal House was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Auburn and Oregon State this weekend in Super Regional Action with the trip to Omaha on the line. All right, we're talking with the radio voice of the Atlanta Falcons, Wes Durham, here on a Friday edition of Sports Call. Let's play catch-up with you a little bit, Wes, as uh, we're in the off-season mode and OTAs are happening for a lot of teams, the mini-camp portion of the calendar. Let's go back, though. How would you evaluate year one of the Arthur Smith era there for the Falcons? Um, I thought it was a good year from the standpoint of we learned a lot about his coaching disciplines and, and his ability to win close games. I, I thought that was the strength in, in some respect of his first year. Um, they also were pretty nimble, to be honest with you, and I think they had to be with the roster uh, the way it was. And, you know, we saw some positives. I think Cordero Patterson obviously was a terrific player for him, and I'm delighted he's going to be back for this fall. But you can't be as reliant on him to do everything as you were a year ago. I, I think we all understand that. And obviously the landscape changes without Matt Ryan for the first time, right, in 14 years. So, um, you know, it's been a long time since 2007 when uh, Joey Harrington and Byron Leftwich kind of cleaned up and Chris Redmond ended up cleaning up that 2007 year. And now we're going to have somebody other than Matt Ryan take an opening day snap. That's going to be really different for a lot of us, including Dave and I. But I think that, uh, you know, I think we have to understand Atlanta's playing a little bit of the long game here. Um, that's kind of been reflected in free agency. Certainly, I think, more reflective in what they did with the draft perspective as well. You hit on Matt Ryan, obviously, Wes, and, and that uh, a huge thing for the Atlanta Falcons, your franchise player for, as you said, a decade and a half out of there. Did it surprise you at all? And then kind of uh, on top of that, uh, drafting Desmond Ritter. I know Marcus Mariota signed as well, but Desmond Ritter in the draft. What what ty- type of timeline were the Falcons like Ritter on? I'm not sure that they can tell you today because they haven't seen Desmond Ritter in a game environment yet. I think they've watched him play at Cincinnati, and obviously he did a terrific job for Luke Fickle, right? Um, he was a multi-year starter, very accomplished He's a terrific kid, but this is the National Football League, and this is a team that does not have a ton of veteran presence around him. Um, you remember when Matt Ryan took this job, they still had Todd McClure at center. They had signed Michael Turner in free agency. You know, they had Michael Jenkins at wide receiver and Algie Crumpler tight. I mean, they had some pieces here, right? Um, and that's not the case with Ritter. So I understand the Mariota influence, and I see that Kyle Pitts obviously is going to be an emerging talent. But in order for us to find out about Desmond Ritter, I, I think Atlanta, and I've jokingly said this, people said, how's Atlanta going to be? They're going to play 17 games. We're going to find out how they are once they start playing games. I think the preseason, though, guys will indicate a little bit of their playing personality, but they're not going to show everything because you open with a division opponent in week one. But I think the timeline for Desmond Ritter, I would not be surprised if he started a game at some point during the season. If he starts 10 games during the season, he better be really good. And if he starts 10 games during the season and it's because of injury, that's another kind of situation. But at some point, I think we all have to accept the fact that Desmond Ritter is probably going to be the starting quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. At least that's the way we have to think about it now. And I think there are a lot of things about this football team that are reflective of that kind of approach, too. Wes, uh, staying on the offensive side of the ball, what were your thoughts on the Falcons' first-round draft pick in Drake London? Well, I think a lot of people were surprised about wide receiver, but if you really look at what Atlanta wanted, it was gone by the time they got to eight. Now, you know, 
I was probably in the camp of if you got to that and you didn't have what you want, could you go back in the draft maybe six spots or so? Uh, but London is a captivating guy from a physical standpoint. I was at OTAs a couple of weeks ago, and he's a big kid now. He's a legitimate six-five type guy. And if he can make point-to-point catches like he did at USC on occasion, I think he can really help them right away. And I think he and Kyle Pitts can be a problem for a defense if they've got a quarterback that can put the ball on them. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of excited. I understand it in logic postscript of the draft as to why they took London. I know why they didn't back up. I do know that because they didn't feel like the values were the same. Uh, I think deep in their hearts, somewhere along the way, they wanted one of the defensive ends. Thibodeau certainly would have been preferable, I think, for Atlanta. Uh, They might have taken one of the tackles had the situation bore itself out that way. But at the end of the day, they were kind of at eight, and they took the best prospect available. And let's be honest, fellas, that's what Terry Fontenot's always said. We're going to take the best player available in certain situations. And I think Drake London, I can promise you this, he's the best athlete. I mean, you know, like jokingly, it's been on the Falcon website. Is he the best basketball player on the team? He's absolutely the best basketball player on the team. I mean, he's a guy who's power five recruited in hoops as well as a power five recruit in football. But I think he's he's a terrific athlete. Now, I'm, fortunately, we've had guys like Julio Jones around. I'm not going to go there. But I think Drake London has a chance to be a really good wide receiver in the National Football League, in particular with this offense. And Wes, as you mentioned, a very exciting rookie last year in the high draft pick of Kyle Pitts, obviously year two of Arthur Smith. How difficult is it to – I mean, when we look at the NFL, and it's not just the NFL, it's really all leagues, but all leagues obsessed, especially the NFL, with what have you done for me lately and when now and when now. How difficult is it to be patient understanding that there's a multi-year plan <laughs> in place rather than a, a win now kind of uh, attitude? I'm talking to guys in Auburn, right, about patience? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think that what you have to understand in the National Football League, unlike the college game where we're just out of control with NIL and you can you know, kind of manage from the back front, uh, in the NFL you have to manage off the front, and the front is the salary cap. And I think that's where Atlanta has itself in a tough spot here. We all know that this is the last year of the big cap issue. And you just kind of have to understand that, that 21 and 22 are going to be those type years. 23, there may be some remnants of it, but it won't be as significant. So, you know, while I don't think it's a rebuild, I do believe you're trying to reset yourself for the next five to seven years following. And I think they're real about it. So you do have to be patient. I mean, look, but the NFL, see, this is the funny part about the league. And I guess I've been blessed to do it. This will be 19 years this fall. The thing I look at when I, when I stare around the National Football League is there's always somebody that emerges here, right? There's always some team that comes out of somewhere. And if you're Atlanta now, we all understand Tampa's going to be the favorite to win the NFC South and might be the only team from the NFC South. But the one thing we also have to remember is there could be a division that completely falls down in the NFC as well. Could be the East, could be, you know, could be the North, could be the Minnesota Detroit, although you got to believe Green Bay is going to be pretty good. Who knows what happens out West? We've still got a lot of drama out there. But I, but I do believe these guys will try and get better every week, and I think you do have to understand that there is value in waiting this out a little bit. I thought they took care of the one thing they had to do if the Ryan thing went down, and that was to re-sign Grady Jarrett. 
I think there's one more thing that could potentially happen, and it's been written about in a couple different places, and that could be that Deion Jones is on the move here at some point. And if that happens, we shouldn't be surprised because I think that's part of the long game that Atlanta has to be willing to kind of invest in at this point. Wes, when you look at where the Falcons are right now in the offseason as we're getting ready to head toward uh, training camp here in about a month, month and a half away from now, what do you think right now is the strongest position group on this team? Wow. Um, it's a good question. In my opinion, the strongest position group right now might be tight end. <clears throat> because behind Pitts, you've got you know, you got a couple of guys. You got three veteran free agents back there. <clears throat> You've got uh, you got a uh, kind of a, a Swiss Army knife a little bit in Patterson, but I but I think Pitts headlines that group. I, you know, it's interesting. A conversation at OTAs a couple weeks ago was how many tight ends does Arthur Smith think he'll keep? And he was asked the question. He said, you know, whatever you think the number is, add one. So if we're going to talk about a, a roster number that's probably going to have an inordinate amount, I would say tight ends would be the one right now. And a lot of people may say why, but look at his offense. I mean, last year he put Pitts off the formation far more than he put him on the formation, right? And so Kyle Pitts is listed as a tight end, but I don't think he's a, quote, tight end the way we look at tight ends. Um, but I think they've got you know three or four guys there who can also help at that position. So, you know, just by inventory alone, I think that's probably one of the stronger spots. It doesn't mean I don't think they're good in the offensive line. It doesn't mean I don't think they're better defensively. I'm just not sure we know who those people are. I will say this, though. If you want me to, to prospect one, I'll tell you, linebacker could be the best position by, by day one of the season because I do believe the Anderson kid out of Montana State, the D'Angelo Malone youngster from Western Kentucky, they're, they're both ballers now. Um, those guys can really play. They're athletic as get out, and I, I'm excited to watch them play in the preseason. And, and in some ways, it's like we said, JJ, the, the preseason is going to be as entertaining for Atlanta as it is for anybody in the league because just of the numbers they're going to have to evaluate and see where that 53 falls on opening day. And Wes, you kind of set me up there talking about the tight end room for this Atlanta Falcons team because there's a name I wanted to bring up in our conversation as so many SEC names and fans know. Felipe Franks, a Florida quarterback, yeah. an Arkansas quarterback. Now, Wes, yeah. we're, we're seeing him at tight end? Well, you got to remember, too, this is the same coaching staff that moved Avery Williams from defensive back to running back at OTA. Right. I mean, these, these guys are – I mean, when I tell you that it's, it's a forward-thinking group here – those are two examples of it. I think Felipe Franks can be on the 53 every week. And, oh, by the way, you, you may say, well, he's a third quarterback, but he could also be a tight end. He played on special teams last year. I mean, I don't think we're breaking any news here saying that Felipe Franks' days as a quarterback might be few and far between, and he may be able to help a football team. I mean, he's a big kid now. I don't know if you guys have ever been around him. He's enormous. Um, I mean, he looks like a box power forward in basketball. You know, he runs around in shirt and shorts. So I think um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Avery Williams has already made the move. I have no idea if he can make the roster, but I know he's going to be the return guy. So does he make the offensive or defensive card? I don't know, but he's on teams. Um, but I think Felipe Franks is another one of those guys that you got to look at and say, okay, what else can he do besides be your number three quarterback? Because 
let's be honest, guys. If he was going to be in the quarterback mix, they would have never done this, right? Right. They see Mariota and they see Ritter as the two guys that are going to be the quarterbacks on this roster. Frank can be the number three, but he's got to be able to help them somewhere else, too, given the, given the process they're going through. Wes Durham, he's the radio voice of the Atlanta Falcons, always kind with his time. Let, let's sort of wrap with this. We love getting updates on uh, the former Auburn Tigers and where they're at in the football world. We know Marlon Davidson finally stayed healthy there in 2021 and contributed a good bit. What does this next season look like for him in your eyes, Wes? I think he's got a fight to stay on the roster. He's probably in toward the end of his rookie deal. I, I think the situation is for him that, uh, that he, you're going to battle for a spot here. Uh, now, certainly his experience level helped. He did stay healthy, uh, made plays, but at the same time, too, that's a competitive piece of this football team right now. Um, you know, there's some guys that you find themselves in a different spot after a year or two. It's been a weird couple of years for Marlon, but at the same time, I, I think if everybody gets to normal here and we get into August and a regular camp site, and cycles and things like that, Marlon maybe gives himself a chance to make the team and make some plays, and I think the preseason, to be honest with you, J.J., will be enormous for him. It was pretty wild last year seeing him get his first career sack and interception yeah. against Brady. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. Tom Brady, I mean, how about that? How's your first pick, Marlon? I was a pick six of Tom Brady, so there you go. <laughs> Wes, yeah, you're put that one on the wall. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Wes, we always appreciate the time. Thank you again for stopping by and chatting with us here in Auburn. Okay, guys, be well. Take care. Have a great summer. That's our good buddy, Wes Durham. He's joining us here on this edition of Sports Call.